so much for tuning in and welcome everyone i hope you're well i am your host ben lively and you're listening to shaken awake episode number 54 i just wanted to thank you for tuning in with us today wherever you are and whatever you're doing right this very moment it means everything to me to share the messages that god has laid on my heart to share with you and as always i promise you another great show But more than anything, my hope for you today and always is that you have an actual encounter with the Lord, not just uh, listening to another podcast episode. So quick ask of you, uh, if you found value in these episodes, would you just take 20, 30 seconds after the show and just submit a quick review uh, and and star rating on your app or device? Uh, This is what the potential listeners look for. Uh, I know I do it uh, when when I want to decide whether to, uh, to give a show a listen or not, just confirmation from other listeners people like you and me um if it if it brings value um if it doesn't uh don't you don't have to submit a review or don't feel compelled to um it's just something i'm asking and i can't thank you enough so here we go without further delay let's get ready to invite god in with us right here right now and allow him to speak directly to your hearts and minds and today's topic is on true repentance is not asking for forgiveness over and over again. And I know some of you are probably smiling. I just wanted to start off by saying I was a victim to this for 41 years of my life. This was another topic chosen by God to speak through the Holy Spirit into my heart and life so that he could direct me back onto the narrow path that at the time I was not on. I was skipping and hopping along straight in the middle of the broad one the one that leads many to death, to hell. I honestly thought, and I've said this repeatedly, guys, that John 3.16 covered all past, current, and future sins and kept me, quote-unquote, safe and, quote-unquote, secure and provided a proverbial get-and-stay-out-of-hell card and one admit-one ticket into heaven. (laughs) We know that John 3.16 is just the start. It's not the end. But I knew just enough to ask for forgiveness over and over and over and over and over again. You know, most of you or many of you, you know what I'm talking about. For me, and I had many, I would ask God to forgive me for drinking so much and for cursing so much and for all the things that I did. Did I need forgiveness for that? Yeah, of course I did. Did I need to ask for forgiveness for those uh, sins? Yes, of course. But here's what I had all wrong. And there's zero doubt this is yet another deception by the enemy. I thought as often as I sinned was as often as I needed to ask for forgiveness to wipe the slate clean. Sin forgiven by asking. Do the same sin again forgiven by asking. Do the same sin again forgiven by asking. This was an, and is a dangerous pattern. Can any of you attest to what I'm saying right now? Of course you do. We all have done and many still do it today. And that's why God has led me to host this topic on this show. You know, the one part of scripture that really rocked me to the core and just and floored me, it just stopped me in my tracks. And if I'm being honest, it almost stopped my heart from beating. It was the following. And to this day, 
I know it was God's will that the Holy Spirit poured out from this scripture everything I never knew and everything I ever needed to know all at once. It has forever changed me and I hope for even if one of you that it helps forever change you as well. And here's the scripture, okay? This is gonna be NLT, New Living Testament. Read in any version or translation you wish. It'll come out the same, okay? I promise you. <laughs> Just a different wording, but it's the same meaning, same context, okay? It's Hebrews 6, 1 to 12. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptism, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. Okay, so verse four, for it's impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come and who then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance by rejecting the Son of God. They themselves are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him up to public shame. Wow. It, hair still raises on my neck and arms. Verse seven, when the ground soaks up the falling rain and bears a good crop for the farmer, it has God's blessing. But if a field... It's talking about us. Bears thorns and thistles. It's useless. And guess what? The farmer, God will soon condemn that field and burn it. Doesn't say God. That's the proverbial translation. The farmer. Condemn that field and burn it. Dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things. Things that come with salvation. For God not a, is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. I can make a whole podcast just on this set of verses. Last verse, verse 12. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the examples, example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. So when I read this for the very first time, and I, I believe it was 2019, the Holy Spirit used it, uh, used it to help me understand that just asking for forgiveness over and over again wasn't the that wasn't the point of true forgiveness because it wasn't the definition of repentance you see i soon and later discovered that repentance is not simply asking for forgiveness it's only step number 2 yes it's step number 2 my whole life i was missing step 1 and 3 the first and last part of the equation of true repentance it wasn't until the Holy Spirit 
and him using scripture to uh, convict and convince me that I had never truly been forgiven for sins I was repeating daily, nor should I be. So please allow me to explain this. I didn't realize that the first step of repentance was the knowledge and the heartbreak that it takes to understand that you're sinning against the one God that did everything he did to save you. The realization that by repeating sin, it shows your lack of fear of the one true God, your lack of walking in the spirit and the fact that you're walking in the flesh. And the third step was a renewing of the heart within you that you do not continue living in sin and are cured so to speak, of, of the conscious sin of Christ. Will we sin? Yes. By nature, we're sinful creatures and we can thank Adam and Eve for that. They cursed all man so that no man would ever be without sin except for Jesus Christ himself who broke the curse of death and of sin and his death on the cross and his blood was shed for us was an atonement for our current and future sin. However, it never gave a license to continue living in sin. Hebrews 6 just proved that, as, as does many other verses in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul had great concern for all the churches that they not walk in the flesh because the consequences are most severe. And that includes the wages of this walk, which is death. States that in Romans 6.23. And he continues in Romans 8, 4 to 8, and by saying in, in, in Jesus, he condemned, uh, he condemned sin in the flesh. Romans 8, 3. So we must walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. By Jesus' death for us, we're debtors, not to the flesh, to living according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Romans 8, 12 to 14. So living by the flesh results in death. But if you're walking, quote unquote, by the Spirit, you will put to death the deeds of the body or flesh and live. Paul was persuaded of better things concerning uh, the Christians in Rome because he said, he said this, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. However, and he says, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. That's Romans 8, 9. Chapter 8, verse 9. So to sum it up, we can see evidence of whether or not we're walking in the flesh or the spirit as follows. So one, those who have the spirit of God produces fruit that reveal whether they're a child of God or not. If there's no spiritual fruits, God's not their father. Those who walk in the spirit have crucified the flesh and do not submit themselves to the desires of the flesh. But those who don't walk in the spirit grieve the spirit and their works producing nothing more than the wages that they have earned, and that is death. That's Romans 6.23, right there. 
Those who walk in the flesh live according to the flesh and prove that they do by their works, but those with the Spirit of God prove that they're Christ's by producing a Christ-like life. Fourth is those who walk in the flesh produce the fruits of the flesh, like sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, enviness, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. That's Galatians 5, 20 to 21. But those who walk in the spirit will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's Galatians 5, 16. Last is those who put to death the deeds of the body or flesh. Romans 8, 13, are truly walking in the spirit, but those who do not have the spirit of Christ assuredly do not belong to him. Romans 8, 9. So if you have never been born again, John 3, 3, then you have, says, you have the wrath of God abiding on you. John 3, 18 and John 3, 36. And not one of your best works can ever please God because those are in those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Romans 8, 8, check it out. Since you have rejected Christ, if indeed you have, you reject your only hope of eternal life and have standing before you eternal state of the wages that you have earned. Again, Romans 6, 23, because everyone has sinned. Romans 3.23 states, Jesus came to earth and was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, but became sin for us so that when God the Father looks at us, he doesn't see our sinfulness, but he sees the righteousness of Christ and he imputes his righteousness to us. That's 2 Corinthians 5.21. Today, if you've heard his voice, repent and trust in him because today can be your day of salvation. 2 Corinthians 6.2 If not, and Jesus returns before you're born again, you face a Christless eternity and the everlasting wrath of God. That's Revelations 20.11-15. So let me ask you all a question. I was also asked the question, is there anywhere in the Bible where where we are told to ask God for forgiveness? So I already recognize this issue is one that's Uh, permeated Christendom. But after being asked this question, I thought I should should address it. So repent or ask for forgiveness. Is it the same thing? Does God require a request for forgiveness or does he require repentance? And I'll give another question. If it's repentance, then when was the church ever given the authority to replace repentance with requesting forgiveness? Something to think about, isn't it? So let's dig in. Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, saith the Lord God. Repent and turn yourselves from all your transgressions, so iniquity shall not be your ruin. That's Ezekiel 18.30, right out of the King James Version. The Hebrew word for repent is shub. It means to turn away. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. That's Acts 3.19. Again, King James Version. The Greek word for repent is metat... Met, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spell it first. M-E-T-A-N-O-E-O. Metatanoeo. It means to think differently. To reconsider 
morally to feel compunction. Here's another big word. I'm going to define that in a minute. It means to think differently and to reconsider morally to feel compunction. The word translated repentance in the New Testament is the Greek word metanoia. It means compunction for guilt. Compunction is a pricing of heart, poignant grief or remorse proceeding from a conscious of consciousness of guilt, the pain and sorrow or regret for have offending God, for have offended God and incurred his wrath, the sting of conscience proceeding from a conviction of having violated a moral duty. And that's what I never had. Never, ever. Jesus said, thus it is written and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remittance of sin should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. That's Luke 24, 46 to 47. Remission is the Greek word, uh, word aphesis. It means freedom, figuratively, pardon, deliverance, forgiveness. We don't pardon ourselves. God pardons or forgives us. By God's law, there is no remission without the shedding of blood. Therefore, without repentance, which is compunction for our sins committed against God, right? And believing that Jesus Christ is God's only begotten son who came to redeem us, through his death on the cross and resurrection, we will not receive remissions of our sins. Repentance is much deeper than a shallow, I'm sorry, or spur of the moment, forgive me. It doesn't matter how many times we say, forgive me, Lord, without true repentance, a change of heart, a true turning away from sin, we're just flapping our gums. Repent and believe is the order that God has set. And when we reduce this to a, a simple act of, well, just ask God into your heart or just ask God to forgive you with, without stressing the importance and requirement of a heartfelt repentance. Remember, it's compunction for sins committed against God. We have sinners walk away from church altars unchanged. We send them away from baptismals just as wet sinners. Worse yet, we erase the need to repent and truly believe in Christ's work, thus sending them away thinking themselves right with God because the preacher said so, when in actuality, the Lord still awaits their repentance with a heart truly turned devotedly to him. A testimony or a sermon may scare you, but it's, did, did it scare you to repentance? You heard a word? And you were made sorry, but are you sorry to repentance? You may even have been moved to tears, but are you moved to repentance? You know, we can be sorry for a lot of things. Sorry we got caught, etc. But God requires us to repent, to turn away from our wicked ways. A heavy price was paid for us to receive God, God's remission or forgiveness of our sins. Do you believe it? Repent and believe is the message the church has for unbelievers. Repent and believe. If we water it down, take the meat out of etc., then woe to us and woe unto us because that's not what the Lord told us to do. God didn't tell us to merely ask him for forgiveness. Look it up. It's in his Bible. He tells us to repent and repent 
We must. He tells us to believe in Jesus's in, in Jesus Christ, his son, who died for our sins and was raised from the dead and believe. We also must. So we do what's required of us, repent and believe. And we can trust that God will do his part and forgive. That's backed up by 1 John 1, 9. So in my closing, my final statement is this. If you've been doing what so many of us have been doing, take heed to the word of God presented to you today. Dwell in the word. Search the word on repentance and allow God and the Holy Spirit to work true repentance into your life. If it's been a sticking point up until now, if the shoe fits, kick it off. The difference between true repentance and, and no true repentance is also the difference between heaven and hell. Yes, it's that powerful. Repentance changes you from the inside out. Non-repentance is another way of just living in the flesh with a false excuse and a scapegoat. So my final questions to you are this. When was the last time you repented? Not merely asking for forgiveness over and over. Have you ever? If not, or if there's you know, one thing you haven't truly repented for, today is the best time to do just that. Don't wait for tomorrow, for tomorrow is not guaranteed. So before we end today's show, I just wanted to thank you all again for tuning in. I hope you were touched by today's message in scripture. If you'd like to reach out to me, please call me directly at 407-493-3208 or email me and or email me at ben at shaken-awake.com or just check out the show at shaken-awake.com. Next week, tune in next Sunday or whenever you're able as we discuss avoiding cruise control Christianity. Next week's episode is another uh, just powerful and do not miss episode. Thank you for joining. Until next week, Take great care of yourself and each other, and God bless you all.